0: What's up, fam? Welcome back to the Empowered Athlete Podcast. In today's episode, we are diving into part one of a little mini series. And in this series, I really want to dive into some of the inner work that I've done with my energy healer over the past few years. And this will really help to expand your mind, expand your level of consciousness, and really get to know you a little bit more. And more specifically, not who you are necessarily in your essence, but the patterns that you've adopted as a result of being a human on earth and being a part of the human conditioning. And what I mean by that is that when we come into this world, we're exposed to all different types and degrees and severities of trauma and just life experiences. And the thing is they're not all sunshine and rainbows. And so our body biologically developed these protective mechanisms to keep us safe as we navigated this world that was unknown and scary. And oftentimes what happened is that when we didn't get a chance to fully Come back into presence and safety after a significant event happened to us or a perceived threat was upon us then it really affects us on a deep cellular level and at the level of our nervous system and this really starts to form the way in which we operate and view ourselves and the world and this is something i talk about a lot but the thing is you cannot change if you are unaware Right? Awareness is the first step to change. Like, literally, how many times have I said that? Because it's so true. So, it, I believe that part of my duty is to expand your consciousness into this newfound awareness so that you understand what your pattern is, what your survival strategy is, so that you know how to better cope with it and manage it and empower yourself through it and recognize when it is present so that it doesn't hold its power over you, but that you can simply see it from an objective standpoint and then do what needs to be done in order to come back into safety, in order to come back into presence, so that you can find your power to take proactive action towards whatever it is that you are in the midst of. So that was a handful for the first minute, but this is essentially why I wanted to talk about this, because our patterns run through every aspect of our life, right? I want you to think of a thread and they are going, our pattern is going to thread in every physical manifestation, especially relational aspect that we have. So it's going to thread in jujitsu. It's going to thread in your career. It's going to thread in your relationships with your partners and your kids and your friends and everyone and anything in between. So, so often we try to change on a surface level basis, right? We try to say, okay, well, I'm having this issue in jujitsu, so let me try to fix it on the surface level way. But the reality is what's going to lead to true transformation is addressing the pattern beneath the habit. And the pattern is deep rooted, as I said, in your nervous system. So there's a few layers that I want to break down because this is going to be part one of our series. Part two and three are going to be dedicated to specifically diving into the five survival patterns, which I'm going to break down for you today um, just to have an overview. But there's a few things we need to kind of address before that, because patterns are something that don't just happen overnight. They happen as a result of accumulation. So We're going to get to that in a moment, but to take a pause, the reason why I really want to have this conversation is I believe that part of my soul's curriculum is to expand human consciousness and to help people become embodiments of their true power. It's so powerful to really be able to fully operate in life in your fullest expression And not just be your true self, but also navigate your humanness, meaning understanding when your emotions are present and how to navigate them, understand what they need and how to support yourself. These are all aspects of being human. And the more tools and resources we have in navigating that, it just unlocks this limitless potential that we have. And we really feel unstoppable because we really have all the tools and resources to overcome anything because everything that we need is always within. So with that being said, some of the things I want to dive into are diving into the four biological survival strategies. So we're going to be covering over the course of this three part series are five survival patterns, but these actually are developed from four primary strategies that are so healthy and so needed because as I said earlier, they offer protection to actual threats. So that's what I wanna start with. So whether you wanna grab a pen or paper or just listen, I'll give you some time to do that. But let's dive into the four biological survival strategies. So a survival strategy is a response from the nervous system that serves to protect us and keep us safe and out of harm's way. There are four primary strategies, and I'm sure that you've heard about this. If not from me, I'm sure it's been circulating out there on social media or with the mental health world. Um, But this is something that First and foremost, we have to understand and know, and you'll know right off the bat what one you tend towards. And it's going to give you good insight into potentially, as we dive into the patterns, which pattern might be your primary and secondary, which will make more sense when we dive into it. So just pause and be patient. So the first is hyper And this is acting in a way to appease, soothe, or nurture the unsafe behavior in order to mitigate that behavior and therefore access safety. So what this means is when there is a threatening or seemingly or perceived threat upon us, we are going to basically morph into that situation. So we're going to appease. This is where people-pleasing comes into play, Um, you may experience just a high alert or panic in your system, this overwhelm in your system, anxiety. And because you don't have the tools to navigate those emotions and sensations, it's easier to kind of be one with that environment, even if that environment is toxic. So this is almost like you are morphing into the, the crowd, into the background. The second is fight. Fight is moving toward the perceived threat with speed, intensity, and aggression to create safety. So fight often is shown through anger, rage, fury, resentment, defensiveness, combativeness. And I want you to know this is my primary strategy, 100%. I think there's something to say that there's a reason why I've done martial arts my whole life. And I think it was just this intuitive and instinctual knowing that that aggression that I've had and that is my natural tendency needed to be channeled in a healthier way. And martial art was a great way to direct that where everybody stayed safe in the situation as much as possible. But fight is really about moving toward that perceived threat with speed intensity. This is getting bigger than the... Perceived threat in order to feel safe. Defensiveness is a big one here, defending yourself um, and combativeness, which can be really physical, right? This is where like domestic abuse can come in, or just like throwing things or getting physically um, violent. Um, I know for me, you know, punching walls and things like that was something that I was very uh, aware of and attuned to. Um, So that was because I had a very low tolerance toward really tolerating any type of perceived threat and this is how i managed and how i just coped and it wasn't the healthiest way it definitely didn't help my well-being learn how to understand what my needs are i just really was getting it out in any way that i could then we have flight which is moving away from our perceived threat with speed intensity and aggression to create safety so the difference between fight and flight which you probably heard Fight is moving toward the threat. Flight, as it says in the definition, is moving away. So this is somebody who may disassociate from the situation, leave our body, uh, run away, hide, become small. And this is very common when somebody has... It's really interesting how these patterns play off each other because if there's somebody in the dynamic, in the relationship say your father, who had primarily, primarily a fight response. If you tried your fight response against him and you lost every time, What happens is the body learns to adapt, to find a way, okay, that didn't work. I wasn't able to get bigger than the threat. He kept getting bigger than me. So we learn, okay, what strategy actually works so that I can create this false sense of safety for myself. So sometimes flight might be that, right? So, okay, maybe if I just dissociate, okay, I feel safe in this. When I become small, the threat goes away. So then this feels good. Okay, we're going to go with this one. And then we have freeze. And freeze is basically becoming motionless, immobile, dissociative in order to experience less pain. This is like that deer in headlight scenario. Um, People in freeze, this is where shame lives. Shame lives in deep states of freeze. And examples of freeze response are just having low energy, apathy, depression, feeling unmotivated, immobilize again, feeling really heavy in shame. So these are the four biological strategies that our body turns to. And as I said, when you're born out of the womb, we don't know which of these strategies we're going to adopt. What happens is we're smart human beings and creatures. And so we test them all out. We test all of the strategies out. And then we literally find whatever one works. And when it works, we begin to test it by continuing to try it out. Every time that scenario happens now, I'm going to circle back to that in a moment, but I want to take a pause here and speak to something else that I want to integrate because it's really important as we talk about these survival strategies. So there's something called neuroception. A neuroception is our nervous system's automatic unconscious embodied threat meter that runs through our reptilian brain and autonomic nervous system. And when the body senses a level of danger, bigger than its capacity to cope. I'm going to explain this in a moment. This is a huge piece of it and stay within the window of tolerance, also known as the window of presence. It calls support from its emergency response team, aka the four trauma responses and safety strategies that I just spoke with you about. So let's pause and do a little recap of what I just said in regard to neuroception. So the neuroception is basically a threat meter. It's constantly looking as like a meter, right? It's kind of scanning the environment for threats. Now, when the body senses a level of danger bigger than its capacity to cope, It calls upon one of the four strategies that we just talked about to create, as I said, that false sense of safety, because we have to come back into safety in order to feel safe to navigate the world around us. Safety is always our primary concern, our primary need as human beings, because without safety, we can't do anything else. We can't literally feel safe to do anything else. Because in order to reach our goals, in order to reach our dreams, in order to optimize and reach our highest potential, we can't be doing this from survival mode. We need to shift into a place of thriving. And we cannot thrive if we do not feel safe in our body, period. Safety is the number one skill and embodiment that we need in order for anything else to come into fruition. So... When the body senses a level of danger bigger than its capacity to cope, it calls upon these primary strategies. Now let's talk about this idea of capacity to cope. And this also ties in with the window of tolerance. So the window of tolerance is basically how much of life can I tolerate before I get shot into hyperarousal or hypoarousal? Now, what's going to be really important here to answer that question is really the level of unprocessed trauma that we have in our body. So the more unresolved traumatic experiences that we have locked in our body, the smaller our window of tolerance. Okay, so this is an inverse relationship, and this means that... I'll give an example in a moment, but basically anything that happens in life will tick us and shoot us into either hyper arousal, which is where hypersocialization and fight live, or hypo arousal, a depression of the nervous system, which is where flight and freeze will live. So the more trauma we have that is unprocessed, unhealed, the smaller our window. So as we're navigating life, we're going to talk from like basic things to more things that, you know, are experiential that we might have in our jujitsu journey, but to give an example of something like really small, right? If you have a small window of tolerance, say your child spills milk on the floor and it's 6:30 in the morning, They woke up early, you're already annoyed. So that's the first sign, right? You wake up annoyed because your child woke up early. That is a small window of tolerance. Then they go into the kitchen, they get a glass of milk and they spill it on the floor. And then you immediately outburst into yelling and screaming. This is all really clear sign that your window of tolerance is very small. Basically what that means is the overwhelm that hits your system is so big that, and you don't have the regulatory skills in order to bring yourself back into presence, to ground yourself, to center yourself, to come back into that balanced state of body. And therefore you act from one of your responses. And the thing about being reactive, right? This is basically leading to emotional reactivity. The thing about being reactive is As with all reactivity, it's after the fact. So once you say or do something, you can't come back from it. So there's a lot of damage, emotional, physical, spiritual, psychological damage that you may be a contributor to. And now you have to work to do all the repairing of that damage because you didn't have the emotional skills and the regulatory skills to calm yourself and bring yourself into present and to pause in the moment. This is why it's so important to develop these skills, because most of us weren't taught these as children. But just because we weren't taught them as children doesn't mean that we don't have the power or don't have the responsibility to develop them as adults. Actually, the opposite is really true. I believe that as adults, we we should have radical responsibility, you know, to own our shit, to take radical responsibility and ownership of what we didn't learn or the bad habits that we did learn in our past and find a way to empower ourselves to influence the rest of our future and for that matter our kids and other kids and people that we're going to be coming into contact with because everything that we do has a ripple effect i hope you're staying with me here because i'm, I'm kind of weaving in a lot of things this is why this is just kind of like part one to kind of introduce these topics So we talked a little bit about the neuroception to understand that there's this threat meter. So as we talked about the small window of tolerance now with the larger window of tolerance, so how do we expand our window of tolerance? I mean, that's literally the question of the century. (laughs) How do we expand our window of tolerance? Meaning how can I allow life to happen without feeling triggered? That's a loaded question, right? How can I allow life to happen and feel calm, peaceful, present and grounded through it all. And it's really hard. (laughs) It's hard if you're not doing and committed to the inner work. It's hard if you're not committed to your healing, because as I said, the only way to expand your window of tolerance, your window of presence, your ability to be present in life without being triggered as much because it's not to say you're never going to get triggered in your life. But the occurrences and intensity of the triggers will be way way less is to heal is to move the energy from those past experiences that are unresolved and to liberate to alchemize them all emotions and sensations are energy energy in motion and when they that motion is stopped they get stuck And when they get stuck, it creates a certain energetic configuration in our body from which our perception is formed and the way that we perceive ourselves and the world is formed. So it's our responsibility to do the energy work, to do the healing work, to move the energy from the body so that we can create more spaciousness and liberation in our system. This is what's going to increase our window of tolerance so that when things happen, for instance, when you lose a match, you're not going to be devastated and think that your worthiness is now shot and you're not worthy of your blue belt and you're not worthy of the team that you train under. And like, you should just dig a, do- uh, dig a hole and go live in it. Right? Versus you lose a match and you're able to really just look at it and say, Oh, wow, I literally just made that mistake, which is why she swept me and got those points. Awesome. I'm going to drill that next week and we're not going to make that mistake again. Cool beans. Let's go. That is a completely different response. And let me just say, I've been on both sides of those responses, (laughs) specifically at Blue Belt. Blue Belt was weeks and weeks and so many hours of my life wasted crying over a goddamn match. And I needed to go through all of that, apparently, to get to where I am today. But now I'm at the space of athlete number two, which was learning from my mistakes and realizing that my performance, the outcome of my performance, whether it's a win, whether it's a loss, does not reflect my self-worth. And the only way I could do that is heal. Heal the worthiness wounds that are deep within that were causing that window of tolerance to be small, and therefore, everything was triggering me, and everything was a hit to my self worth. And it becomes very taxing over time. It makes it hard to want to live, it makes it hard to want to thrive, you know, when you're your own worst critic constantly. So, there is a lot here. I'm just going to take a breath for a second because what I want to dive back into, as I said, we're going to circle back into something. And I wanted to just circle back into this idea of these four biological survival strategies that we talked about and how they form the foundation for the patterns that I'm going to be breaking down over the next two episodes. So to start, as I said, we're going to initially go to these experiences of fight, flight, hypersocialization, and freeze. Whatever one worked the most often, we're going to basically keep as our own. So what I'm speaking to is how survival patterns form. So step one is there's an experience of overwhelm in our system. And when I'm talking about overwhelm, oftentimes I'm speaking about the nervous system. The nervous system gets shot into overwhelm. And then there's this immediate need to solve the problem, which is to create safety, right? Because whenever we're in this scenario here, there's a threat. So the need to solve the problem, how do I fix this? How do I make things good? How do I get this threat to go away? So then we try out the different survival strategies and then we repeat the successful strategies. So as I said, we're usually gonna turn to one or two, and they're going to end up being our primary and secondary patterns. So what that means is we're going to try our primary first. And if the primary doesn't work, we're going to go to our secondary. And I don't want you to think of yourself in a box either, because you can absolutely be different percentages of all of these. But for the most part, we're going to stick to probably one or two. But depending on the person that we're speaking with or the situation, it's very common that there might be also a pattern that you use in a different situation based off the other person's constitution, right? Because it's all about, um, that relational, it's all about that relational, uh, relationship, I guess, which is if somebody, for instance, if your dad was somebody who was a fighter, maybe you were able to create more safety being a flight. But if someone in your career You know, if you wanted to learn how to fit in in your career, that was something that was like a big fear for you. Maybe flight wasn't the right response for you, but people pleasing was and hyper socialization so that you fit in, right? So there's different masks that we can wear depending on the circumstance that we're in. I just want to put that like caveat in there. But for the most part, let's just get into, you're going to have a primary and a secondary. So how survival patterns form going back into the cycle, experience of overwhelm. You have a need to solve the problem. You try out the different survival strategies, and then you repeat the successful strategy. And this strategy becomes the habit. This strategy becomes the habit. As I said, this is going to be recurring, right? It compounds on each other. This is a something that develops from consistency. So continually using that same thing as always, right? Continually drinking lemon water in the morning. Now you create a habit. Continually smoking cigarettes every day. Now you create a habit. So strategy becomes a habit. And then from that habit, something interesting happens. One, the survival pattern forms. And I'm going to go into an overview of what the five are. But the survival pattern forms from that habit. And then second, there's actually something that happens physiologically, which I find fascinating. And I actually see it within my own structure of my own body and my own build. And this is muscular armoring forms. So what this means is our body, due to the energetic configuration of those patterns, will actually form and turn into a specific... Um, I guess, form. (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. Let me give you some examples. So for myself, I, like I said, have fight. And so as we're going to learn, the pattern that I've developed over time has been the aggressive pattern. And we're going to dive into all the different details of each of them. That's what we're going to be breaking up over the next couple episodes. But just to give you a little example using myself, the aggressive pattern is somebody who gets bigger than the threat. So the way that my body kind of developed has been having broad shoulders, having like a straight spine, puffed out chest. I have like really good posture, right? And this is actually the physiological development and response of having fight as my primary response. So this might sound like completely batshit crazy and you might not be following me at all. And that's okay because this, like I said, can be just completely new to your field of consciousness, but it's so important. So another quick example will be um, those who tend to get small, right? We talked about that when you, the flighters, the flighters who tend to make themselves small, what this might actually look like is a rounding of the shoulders. When you see somebody walking around, this is like your posture. When you see somebody with forward shoulders, a sunken chest, kind of head down, gaze down, and this is how they often operate and live through life. They develop that armature. Their body physiologically responded to their survival strategy. So it's actually interesting because when I'm looking at people having known this information now, it is so, it's like almost right on the money every single time where I can look and know exactly what their survival strategy is just by their, their body's physical makeup, which is really, really interesting. So that's how the survival patterns form. Anyway, I don't want to go too far into this, but just to kind of give you this idea of like how deeply embedded and influential these trauma responses are. And so, and so I want to dive into, just the five survival patterns so that you have an idea of what we're going to be diving into more depth in the next couple episodes. So there's five survival patterns, the leaving pattern, the merging pattern, the enduring pattern, the aggressive pattern and the rigid pattern. And these are actual psychological stages of development. So all of these patterns have have actually um, developmental stages that we needed to accomplish in order to graduate to the next level. And so when we miss out on the development that needed to happen, we actually don't develop the capacity to do the other things that the... Um, that are the gifts and the developmental stages, because each of these stages build on each other. We need the foundation in order to move on to the next one. So we're going to be breaking up um, the first three patterns in the next episode and the last two patterns in the final episode of the series. And my invitation is going to be for you to have an open mind, for you to just listen. I just want you to listen. And not make any assumptions about yourself and not try to put any pieces together, but just tune into your body as you're listening to the next couple episodes to see what really resonates, what feels like it really was potentially or is something that you may tend towards as far as a strategy. Please don't be judgmental towards yourself if you find whatever pattern it is for you. That is the worst in order to um, heal. We don't want to be judgmental towards ourselves. We want to really look at this with a loving eye and really use it as objective information of, okay, this is what I'm working with now. Now I understand myself just a little bit more and I'm that much closer to being able to empower myself in these situations. So as I said, these all build on each other. So we're going to start with the first three. we're going to dive into specifics. I mean, specifics, specifics of each of these patterns. I want you to feel really clear. And my hope is that by the end of the series, you're going to have a pretty good idea of what is your primary and secondary pattern. And if you want any further support with that, This is the work that I specifically use inside EAA to support women in their transformation by understanding their survival patterns. That's really one of the ways I can support people on a deep level is understanding what they turn to, because then I can understand where their self-sabotage comes in and help them rewire that. And so lastly, I want to end with kind of just sharing how these survival patterns become self-perpetuating because... In order for a pattern to stop, we have to break the cycle of the pattern. So we have to understand what perpetuates the cycle of the pattern. So the survival pattern that we have shapes our attention. So if you are a flighter, the attention and where you put your energy and attention is going to be different than somebody who is a fighter, right? I'm going to be looking for ways in which I can be bigger than the threat, you're going to be looking for ways in which you can get smaller. So your attention is going to shift. And then when your attention shifts, your attention actually shapes your perception to the way in which you view the world. So again, I'll go into more detail, but to give you an example of my own for the aggressive pattern, the way that my perception shifted was always viewing everybody as the enemy. That might sound drastic, but uh, a belief system that I held for a very long time is it's me versus the world. It's me against the world, which is a very, very, very common belief system for the aggressive pattern. So having that pattern set the stage for not being able to trust anybody, being very skeptical when anyone came into my world, definitely not surrendering and showing weakness and shaping my perception that. Most people are there to harm me and I can't trust anyone. And so that perception shapes the experience of my reality. It's very easy to be self-isolating, right? Because I don't trust anyone. So I'm just going to be me and we're just going to do my own thing. But we're beings who require connection, socialization to thrive. So eventually it will bite you in the ass. If you're somebody who maybe resonates with what I'm speaking about with my own experience. Then your experience of reality actually shapes your belief systems. So then as you start to experience the reality that's based off your perception, it then forms your belief system. So you'll say, you know what? See, this is why the world is a bad place. This is why I can't trust people. And then because of that, our beliefs reinforce the survival pattern. It is so nasty, guys. This is such a toxic process. But then on the flip side of that statement, it's also really just a really fucking good self-protective mechanism. But the thing is, we are in a space right now, if you're listening to this podcast, where you are an adult. And you have resources and you have skills and you have tools and you are not a victim. You have the power to change your life. You have the power always and within you. And remembering that is really important because you get to change your belief systems. You get to change your perception. You get to change these things by having awareness. And then you can shift from surviving into thriving. And that is my hope and my dream and my wish for you. And it really starts with understanding this foundation. So like, I understand this can be a lot, but just to do a quick recap, what we've talked about in this episode so far is understanding the four basic survival strategies, understanding that they set the foundation for the survival patterns that we're going to be diving into. Talked a little bit about how these patterns form over time and what helps them create this self-perpetuating cycle, as well as understanding a little bit about the window of tolerance and neuroception and what needs to happen in order for us to expand that window of tolerance, to be able to experience life without being triggered and shot into one of these different strategies. And in all of that, helps us feel more powerful because we can feel a sense of control and not of our external environment per se, but of our internal environment. When we can understand our emotions and triggers that come up and we can understand that there's an overwhelm in my system, therefore it's my job to come back into presence. That like, There's literally nothing more empowering than that. Like it happens to me all the time, guys, by the way, like this is something I've done for a long time and I'm constantly triggered, like always, but there's just something to say about recognizing when I'm triggered and knowing that, wow, there's this overwhelm in my system. I feel it in my solar plexus right now. I'm wanting to engage in my fight. And so that's my sign to come back into presence, do some breath work, take a step away to get some fresh air, ground myself, do some breathing. And maybe some snake breath, which is one that I like a lot. And once I feel that energy shift, come back so I can come back into the conversation, come back into the circumstance or situation with a more grounded, clear, and proactive approach to solving whatever it is that is present instead of just being emotionally reactive, which causes us to feel powerless, helpless, and victims. And you are none of those things. I hope that you love this episode. I hope that you found some value out of it. I hope that it wasn't too far out there um, because if it was, no worries, maybe listen to it a couple of times because it probably is gonna get way more cray cray as we dive into the actual patterns. Um, but give yourself some grace, take notes where you need to. And if this was helpful for you, or you find that you know somebody who may be interested in this conversation, tag them in this episode, share the link. You can tag us on social media at Body by Boss LLC. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the next couple episodes. I hope you have an amazing day, and I will chat with you soon. Bye for now.